Hello, everyone. I'm Blaine Gilmer. Welcome to Southeastern 14. Do you smell that in the air? Yes, it is game day morning. Florida is going to be playing college football tonight against Utah, and I could not be more excited. I know you couldn't be more excited. Got the Florida reel going back here exclusively on one of the TVs because I want to see what the Gators have tonight. Much maligned throughout this offseason. This is not your your dad's Florida team, right? This isn't uh, of Steve Spurrier-led team with loads and loads of talent. This is a Billy Napier year two project that people are looking down there in Gainesville to overachieve, to come out and keep the momentum that Billy Napier has on the recruiting trail because make no mistake about it, Billy Napier is recruiting his tail off. That's why I am in the camp of, hey, however this goes tonight, however this goes in the 2023 season, Florida needs to make sure that they're patient and keep Billy Napier around because he has some tremendous things on the way, namely DJ Lagway, who is a quarterback from the state of Texas that is just absolutely lighting it up already this season and is the centerpiece of Florida's recruiting class in 2024. So you need to make sure you're patient with Billy Napier no matter what. But having said that, Florida is getting a little bit of a shot in the arm, it would seem, as here on the Morning Report, we can tell you that everything that we're seeing out there is that Cam Rising is likely not to play for Utah. That is huge. That is huge because Cam Rising is basically a linebacker at quarterback. He has a attack mentality. He is dangerous with his legs. He is experienced. He's a guy that has done it all, seen it all, and is just a winning football player for Kyle Whittingham. And, you know, it took everything Florida had last year at home to stop that that Utah team. And they had Anthony Richardson last year who put, turned in a Superman-type performance on Florida's offensive side of the ball. So this year, what do I want to see out of Florida and what do Florida fans want to see out of Florida in this road matchup uh, against the back-to-back defending Pac-12 champions? Of course, Florida was able to uh, outlast Utah last year, but what will it take for Florida to do it two years in a row? So that news of Cam Rising not being available for Utah, according to reports, is huge. Uh, it's even bigger for Florida after they lost uh, Boone on the defensive front to a knee injury himself in fall camp. And they've got some some young pieces up front. Uh, they do have one main returner at the jack position in Princely, uh, Amanda Malian, who's going to be coming back, and he, he's a leader. He's been named a captain for that Florida team. But when you're looking at transfer guys up front like Cam Jackson and Caleb Banks, then, of course, you have Tyreek Sapp, who's been there. He's a redshirt sophomore. Can they get enough pressure up front, even on the backup quarterback, uh, for Utah to help out and prevent Utah from being able to drive the ball down the field at, at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Okay, It is a loud environment. 
Uh, Florida needs to take the air out of that place by getting some pressure on that quarterback, keeping them in long yardage situations on offense, keeping them behind the chains. And with these clock rules, Florida's defense can really help shorten the game because, listen, if you if you sack that quarterback, if you make them, hey, you know, we've got a young young guy in there. We don't really want to push it down the field. Let's run a draw right here. That clock keeps rolling. Florida's defense can help shorten this football game, and they have players at linebacker like Shamar James. Uh, they have players on the back end like safety Jason Marshall, who's also been named a captain for this game for Florida. So Florida has guys on the defensive side that can make enough plays to help shorten this game and keep it a close game. You see the the spread has already come down with this news of Cam Rising trickling out there that he's likely going to be unavailable. It's went from over seven and a half in some places down to I've seen it at four and a half as of uh, recording of this. It could come down even more towards game time. Um, but here's who I need to see step up for the Florida Gators. Graham Mertz. And Graham Mertz is going to be the starting quarterback. Of course, he played at Wisconsin, and he's played a lot of football. Okay, this is a guy who there's no no shortage of experience for Graham Mertz. He has over 773 pass attempts in his career. But I want to look at the trends for Graham Mertz, both on the road and also in the month of September. Graham Mertz has played in a lot of big-time road games. And in his career on the road, Graham Mertz has completed only 55.5% of his passes when he was at Wisconsin and has a 16 to 12 touchdown to interception ratio. Got to value the football. Got to be able to produce a little bit more than that and be more efficient than that, especially on third down. Got to be able to help extend some drives like Anthony Richardson was able to do with his legs last year. I'm not saying Graham Mertz has to run uh, particularly for first downs, but Graham Mertz has a young, in terms of experience, offensive line in front of him. Four out of five starters from last year gone for Florida. So they're filling in new pieces there. They were able to run the ball extremely effectively. They have great running backs this year still in in in. Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne that are coming back. You've got to be able to not be one-dimensional. And listen, there's going to be times where a very, very talented, maybe the most talented front seven that Kyle Winningham has had is going to pin its ears back and come after Graham Mertz. Can he buy enough time with pocket movement? Can he get just escape one guy and extend a play, give a Florida receiver a time to get open because Florida doesn't have what you would call an elite receiver. Okay. They don't have guys that are, you know, number ones that would be number ones at other places in the SEC. They have tough guys. They have guys who are going to compete like Ricky Pearsall. Uh, we need to see what Khalil Jackson's going to be able to provide. Is is Caleb Douglas going to step up? Marcus Marcus Burke has been there. This is his third year in the program. What can he do? Jaquavion Frazier's has been around a while. I know that more, more talented guys are the freshmen like Eugene Wilson and Andy Jean. You got Aiden Mizell who can fly as well. But I don't think in this environment on the road 
uh, a place like Utah where the stadium is going to be shaking, I don't think you need to say, all right, we're going to depend on freshmen to, to pull us out of the fire here. So those old heads, particularly um, Ricky Pearsall and Caleb Douglas, we need to see those guys be able to step up and, you know, when Graham Mertz, if he makes one guy miss, find a way to unplaster from your guy and get open, get to the chains, and be able to produce a big first down. Again, keep that clock rolling and shorten this game. That will help Florida here. But also another disturbing trend for Graham Mertz is also in the month of September. In the month of September for his career, eight touchdowns to nine interceptions. He's got to value the football. If, if Graham Mertz gets there and he throws a pick or two picks in this game, the chances for Utah to win go up dramatically. We know that turnovers are huge. Um, it's also going to be incumbent upon, like I said, that defensive front. You got Austin Armstrong over there, the new D.C. for Florida. How much pressure is he going to be able to generate on whichever quarterback it is for Utah? I think that's a very, very big deal in this game. Also, special teams. Listen, Florida, uh, special teams-wise, needs to be able to, I don't know, steal a possession. Do they have a, a, a fake punt in their bag that they're going to be able to, to rely on? Are they going to be able to block a kick and really change field position or, heck, even get, a, even get a score on special teams? That would be absolutely huge on the road against a very, very well-coached Utah team that is going to, by all indications, be missing its kind of heart and soul over there in Cam Rising on offense, okay? So if Florida could manufacture a score, whether that's defensively or on special teams, we know that that is an indicator that the, the chances of winning go way, way up, like jump dramatically when you look at an odds chart for a game where the road team and then also the team scores either on defense or special teams. So Florida's going to need to do something special like that. But particularly, the player that needs to step up the most is Graham Mertz. And it's because of those numbers we talked about when he is on the road, 55% pass completion for his career on the road. And again, in the month of September, he has a negative touchdown to interception ratio, eight touchdowns, nine interceptions for his career. Last year for Wisconsin, okay, as the quarterback in losses, Graham Mertz, 54.4% pass completion, seven touchdowns, eight interceptions for a QB rate of 108.5. That will not get it done. He just needs to be more efficient, needs to get that, that pass completion up, I think Billy Napier is going to find ways to get the ball out of his hands quickly, help that offensive line that is breaking in some new starters, and then just find some easy throws. Maybe it's a, maybe that's a way that you get those freshmen, those talented freshmen involved, getting the ball in the hands quickly of a, of a Eugene Wilson or an Andy Jean. Uh, Ricky Pearsall is a guy who can make people miss in space. Okay, so you got to find ways to do that and be creative enough on the perimeter and get Utah – worried about that dimension of the offense for Florida so that that run game can open up because Utah's front seven is salty and their goal is going to be early on to stop Etienne and to stop Johnson and prevent Florida from running the football like they did so effectively last year and make Graham Mertz beat them. So 
the challenge is to Graham Mertz, and it's also to those receivers and Billy Napier to help overall help make things a little bit easier for him to start this game off. Can that be done? It remains to be seen, but I'm excited to see what happens tonight between those two teams uh, as it is Thursday, August 31st, and the season is getting kicked off in SEC country here. Yes, Vanderbilt played last week, but this is like the this is like that was like the appetizer. The main entree has arrived here with Florida going on the road to Utah. So that's what I would like to see there out of the Florida Gators. And that's what I'd like to see step up a key to victory there. Like I said, efficiency out of Graham Mertz, protect the football, and then defensively, Florida's front seven has to get pressure on whichever quarterback it is for Utah and force them to play from behind the chains and keep that clock moving short in this game. Those are the keys for Florida. It wouldn't hurt to help get a score either on defense or special teams either. You got to try to find a way to be really, really good on special teams in this game on the road if you're Florida. Speaking of special teams, that is what Shane Beamer in South Carolina are known for with Beamer Ball. They're very, very productive on special teams and when it comes down to it this is a south carolina team that has a ton of expectations on it they finished the the season hot a year ago uh south carolina fans that's who i mean where the expectations are coming from they are expecting that next step won eight games a year ago beat tennessee by scoring 63 points on them at home and then also beat their rival clemson Everybody says that's the separator between where Will Muschamp had this program in in going into year three and where Shane Beamer does. Now, they have the same exact record, um, but everybody feels like the vibe is different based on what Shane Beamer is doing recruiting, the morale of the team, all that kind of stuff, having beaten Clemson, all of those things. Now, what we need to see out of South Carolina in this game against North Carolina on Saturday in Charlotte. This is huge for momentum for South Carolina. You have an offensive line that's been piecemealed together through the transfer portal. They've got guys that they've brought in like Sidney Fugar from Western Illinois. He's going to be replacing Jalen Nichols, who tore his knee up in the spring game. So not a whole lot of experience there. And then behind him, if it is, it's kind of an or situation they listed on their on their depth chart, you have Jackson Hughes, who's from Charlotte, UNC Charlotte. So he gets to to kind of go back to where he was playing before and be in this game. So either or there on that tackle situation. And then Nick Gargilio is a guy that transferred in from Yale. Um, so we'll see how he's able to produce here. His backup is a freshman in Marquis Anderson. Over on that right side of the line, they got a little bit more experience. Carson Henry, not a ton of necessarily game experience but he has been in the program he's a red shirt freshman so he was there last year got to learn you got jakai moore who's a red shirt senior at right guard and then of course their center is vershawn lee who has been around for a while so that right side of the line a little bit more experience got some questions over there on the left side but i think they're going to have to be really really good and play about as well as they possibly can in this first game to help South Carolina provide balance, okay? They need balance offensively. This offensive line needs to help Dow Loggins 
provide balance to this offense. They need to help Spencer Rattler provide balance to this offense. And what do I mean by balance? I don't mean that you have to be able to split the run and pass 50-50. I mean that you need to be able to be efficient in the run game when you need to be. If it's third and third and one, third and two, can you block well enough that you don't have to you don't have to pass it if you need to. You can stick it up in there and get a first down. Keep the chains moving. They don't have to average, you know, five, six yards a carry, but they do need to be efficient on the run on rundowns when needed. So whatever is needed, can you get at least half of that on early downs, on first and second down, and then on third down? be able to get it across and get a new set of downs. That is what South Carolina's offensive line is going to be asked to do. You don't have to dominate, but you got to be efficient in the run game. And also, it wouldn't hurt if you trended a little bit more towards that that dominant side because you got some running backs that aren't necessarily the most proven in the world. They have DeCarian Joyner and Juju McDowell listed on their on their roster as their two running backs for this game. Yes, there's not even, they didn't even put anybody else on the depth chart. They have some guys that are, you know, kind of fringe guys they're trying to work in. We'll see uh, if any of them produce, but it looks like going into this one, DeCarian Joyner and Juju McDowell are going to be the guys running the football. Listen, last year between those two, they averaged 3.7 yards per carry, only 275 rushing yards on just 74 attempts between the two. Marshawn Lloyd, Jaheim Bell carried the bulk of their rushing last year. We know Jaheim Bell is going to be playing Sunday night for Florida State, and we know that Marshawn Lloyd has already played a game with his new team in Southern Cal. So the lead of that rush attack is gone from a year ago. You need to see DeCarian Joyner and Juju McDowell Uh, also help out that offensive line. They're going to have to make guys miss. They have the capability to be able to do that and make some plays. But, man, uh, it is going to be incumbent that South Carolina has balance in this game because if North Carolina's defensive front – I know North Carolina's defense is not like, you know, the Steelers or something uh, back in 2008. It is not an elite defense. But any defense that knows a team is going to be one-dimensional – and they can just pin their ears back and try to come after Spencer Rattler. Uh, if that offensive line isn't doing its part in terms of producing enough in the run game and then also protecting Spencer Rattler, then all those weapons that South Carolina has on the edge aren't going to be as effective. And I do think that is the strength of this team for South Carolina. Juice Wells, Xavier Leggett, uh, Amarian Brown, all these guys, even even Omega Blake, has had a really good fall camp by all indications for South Carolina. Nick Harbor's supposed to be healthy um, for South Carolina, and he's a guy that has elite speed that I think they'll throw it down the field to at least a couple times. Eddie Lewis is a guy that transferred in that they're looking to see do things. And then at tight end, you have both Trey Knox and Joshua Simon that they've liked what they've seen out of fall camp. Trey Knox could be a really, really big target for Spencer Rattler, based off what we saw in the spring game, those two already have a good rapport with one another. So do we see enough productive play out of South Carolina's offensive line to keep North Carolina honest when it comes to honoring the run? Can Juju McDowell and DeKarian Joyner 
produce behind that offensive line. Help Dow Loggins and help Spencer Rattler out because if you become one-dimensional early, it gets really, really tough. And I don't think that South Carolina wants to get in a back-and-forth shootout with a Drake May-led team in North Carolina. I think they would like to, hey, let's be able to run the ball, okay, get North Carolina on their heels, and then hit these big playmakers on the edge uh, with some play action, hit them over the top, strike early, try to get a lead, and then make North Carolina play catch-up because as good as Drake May is, if you know – if you, South Carolina's defense knows that he's going to have to be throwing the ball every down because they're going to they're going to have a, a a deficit to make up. And South Carolina's out in front, and they're having to continue to drop back and throw and try to with these these shortened clock rules. They've lost some plays already, probably seven, eight, nine, ten plays in a game. If they're playing from behind, that puts just even more pressure on Drake May, and it could really help a talented South Carolina back end with guys like Nick Amonwari, with guys like DQ Smith back there, with guys like Marcellus Dial, really help, uh, you know, give them opportunities to to create some turnovers. And then it becomes even easier for guys like, like Dow Loggins and Spencer Rattler, who uh, I'm interested to see how that goes, the, the play caller quarterback relationship there for South Carolina. Obviously, that changed in the end of the season last year for South Carolina Satterfield. Uh, was not the one calling the plays there towards the end, and they started having more offensive success. So those are the keys to victory, I think, for South Carolina. Offensive line, help Dow Loggins and Spencer Rattler provide balance. Be efficient in your run game, and then Spencer Rattler can help take care of the rest, and that will help South Carolina get a lead. Got to get up, got to get a lead, and make – North Carolina be the ones that are one-dimensional playing from behind and force Drake May to put the ball in harm's way, maybe try to fit it in some tight windows, and that is how South Carolina can produce some turnovers. So that is a big key to this game, but it's all about the front front five, that offensive line for South Carolina in this game for me. Guys, this has been the SEC Morning Report. Guys, we're excited to see Florida play Tonight, we're excited to see South Carolina play on Saturday. Excited to see even uh, the the new quarterbacks get broke in at Alabama, at Georgia, at Tennessee, even though those are all games that they should win handily. So we'll be talking about a lot of things tomorrow. We have Jake's Takes Episode 3 with Jake Crane of the Daily Wire on Crane and Company over there. It's going to be, that releases every Friday, and he's going to be talking a little bit more about this South Carolina game with me and also some elite and underrated position groups over there. Make sure to check out the, the SEC Daily Show here. Blake Lovell, Chris Lee, Gavin Schoenwald, who's over there, all of those guys here on the network that do a great job of bringing you daily SEC coverage. I am Blaine Gilmer, and we will catch you next time to talk more SEC football as the season is kicking off here in week one. Catch you guys later.